The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a special welcome to all the members of our fraternities and sororities who are here with us for this Greek Week, Greek Life celebration, which will carry on throughout the course of the week. I think it's very fitting and good symbolically and good spiritually that you come to church tonight. It uh, it certainly makes a statement about life's priorities, your priorities, and the priorities for your fraternity or sorority. It's the difference between a house being built upon rock versus a house being built upon sand. As I think as we can attest to in each of our own individual lives, when you put the spiritual things first, the rest falls into place. And I think it's the same way when it comes to fraternities and sororities. Each of your organizations is built on very noble ideals. It's built on a solid set of relationships with one another. And so why wouldn't you put it on a solid spiritual foundation? It would be easy in this day and age to reduce Greek life to a stereotype or a caricature might be even easier to conduct oneself that way. But again, why shoot for the lowest common denominator when you can do it differently? 
when you can model that Greek life is certainly worth being a part of, and Greek life can be an example. Again, your, each of your fraternities and sororities are built on noble ideals, so why not continue to build on them? You make Greek life exemplary, a beacon of light, when at other schools, it may not be. But all that to say, welcome to all of you to this second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday. In the Catholic Church, Easter is celebrated for eight days in a row. We've been celebrating Easter literally every day since last Sunday. We call it an octave. It's based on eight days. And when you turn the number eight on its side, it looks like the sign for infinity. And so theologically, we're saying that Easter is so important. It is the reason for our faith that we want to celebrate it ad infinitum. We look forward to the day when we will celebrate it for all eternity. Now, tonight's gospel focuses on a very specific resurrection event. As part of the Easter octave celebration, it's been a different resurrection gospel every day. We've heard from all four of the evangelists, different perspectives. It's been very interesting. Tonight, we hear from the gospel of John. We hear about the events that happen on Easter Sunday itself. And then, coincidentally, one week later, what happened with Doubting Thomas. The disciples were locked in the upper room out of fear. They were there out of fear. They'd locked the door. But no locked door is going to hold back the power of the risen Jesus Christ. He defies the locks, and he goes in, and he wipes away all fear. That's what the risen Jesus does for his disciples and for all of us who are disciples. Jesus also showed his wounds. He wanted to eliminate doubt from one of his disciples, Thomas, but he's also reminding us that those wounds were because of our sins. And those, those wounds now wipe away our sins. Our religion is one of salvation. Yes, Jesus performed miracles. Yes, Jesus gave great moral teachings, but he was more than just a teacher. Our religion saves us. Christ's action on the crucifix save us. And by his wounds, we are healed, and by his wounds, we are saved. When Jesus first appeared, at least in this, this account in John's Gospel, Thomas was not there. A theologian once said, Thomas was outside of the church. The church at that point was just that small group of people, and he was not with them. And so he did not encounter Christ outside of the church. But a week later, when he was inside the church, he did. And he goes on to make a very profound profession of faith. My Lord and my God. Those five words said it all. He went from doubting to believing when he encountered the risen Christ. In the spirit of Mercy Sunday, I want to digress for a moment into the reading that we heard from the letter of St. Peter. It's very fitting for Mercy Sunday. St. Peter knows firsthand just how merciful God is. Think about this. Peter and Judas Iscariot 
both betrayed Jesus. We know how it ended for Judas, but look at how it ends for St. Peter. Peter denied Jesus, and yet Christ forgives him unconditionally. Peter is fully forgiven. And isn't it interesting just how unconditionally forgiven Peter is? Nowhere in Scripture does it, does it say, uh, you know, Father, it's me, Jesus. I probably should have picked Andrew instead. Peter denied me. He's going to lead the church. Now let's give it to Andrew or John. They'll probably do better. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. The person who denied Jesus was so forgiven, he gets to lead the church, and Peter becomes the first pope. He is the rock. That's how merciful God is. No sin that we could, that we could possibly do is unforgivable. God will be superabundant in mercy, and we see that with St. Peter. And that's why Peter writes in his letter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy gave us a new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter received that mercy from the cross. And Peter experienced that tender love and mercy when later in the Gospel of John, he will be forgiven by Jesus. And Jesus says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Peter knows what mercy is all about. And it's only fitting also that on Mercy Sunday, we give a little plug for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's a sacrament that takes place here Sundays at 7 p.m., Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m., when you want to experience mercy and grace, there's the sacrament of reconciliation. Avail yourself of it. You get a lot off your chest, and you hear the words of forgiveness, and you experience the mercy in the sacrament. It's one that you can avail yourself often. There's no limit to the number of times one can receive the sacrament of confession throughout the course of the year. That's how merciful our God is. And so today on this Divine Mercy Sunday, we are mindful of it in the form that Jesus is so merciful, he forgives a person who denied him. Christ meets him and forgives him. But Peter knows the reality, and Peter will later experience the reality of being a Christian. And that's why he says in his letter to those who are newly baptized and those who will probably undergo persecution, he says to them, you may have to suffer. You may have to suffer through various trials, but those trials are going to be for the praise and honor and glory of God. So tonight, let's lift up our hearts in praise and thanks to God for the mercy and the forgiveness that we receive through Jesus, because by his wounds, we were healed Let's lift up our hearts in praise and thanks to God because fear is conquered. We see that in the upper room. And tonight we make a little more complex profession of faith, but we too say, my Lord and my God, by our presence here. And then finally, I just want to reiterate the last words that we heard in the Gospel of John because they speak to everybody. They speak to Catholics who are devout. They speak to Catholics who are not devout. 
They speak to Christians who are devout and those who are not, and those who have no idea who Jesus is. The last line sums up all the Gospels, and here it is. These are written, these Gospels, these are written so that you may come to believe, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. We have a lot to be thankful for.